Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. The only way for us to live a holy life is by the Holy Spirit. If I don't have the power of the Holy Spirit, what am I thinking? Am I trying to live the holy life, the Christian life, in the energy of my own strength, my own flesh? How's that working out for you? I already know how it's working out for you because I've been there, done that. And I bought the t-shirt. I'll never wear it, but I have the (laughs) t-shirt. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Galatians. Satan doesn't want a person filled with the Spirit because he loses his grip on that life. We will be sure to fall if we're not living in the power of the Spirit. Pastor J.D. makes it very clear today how important the role of the Spirit is in our lives. Can you say that you're daily walking in the power and the influence of the Spirit? Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. in Galatians chapter 3 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. We're going through Paul's epistle to the churches in the area of Galatia, and our text will be chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. The Apostle Paul, by the Holy Spirit, is writing to these churches and says, verse 1, You foolish Galatians! How's that for openers? (laughs) Who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you, verse 3, so foolish? After beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Have you experienced so much in vain, if it really was in vain? So again, I ask, does God give you His Spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law? or by your believing what you heard. So, (laughs) I'm keenly aware that what I'm going to teach on today concerning the baptism with the Holy Spirit is a source of contention among many, even confusion among some. Sadly, it was this very contention and confusion that kept me from the baptism with the Holy Spirit in the early years of my walk with the Lord. I've been walking with the Lord for over 35 years now, and early on I was taught what's known as cessationism, which is that the gifts of the Holy Spirit had ceased with the apostles, no longer needed. It was many years later, there on the mainland, and I'm on my face 
before the Lord, literally on my face, before the Lord on the floor. I was just really pleading with God as a beggar, and I asked for the Holy Spirit. I asked to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. I know I might be starting off kind of hot here. (laughs) You'll forgive me, but it changed my life. It changed everything. And I tell you, there was a sanctified anger because I had been robbed of that which the Lord had done in my life that day. All of those years prior that I had bought into this lie that the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the baptism with the Holy Spirit was not for believers today. There was that sanctified anger because it changed my marriage. It changed my service to the Lord. It changed at the time I owned my own business. It changed everything in my business. It changed everything in all of my relationships. We didn't have children yet at the time. I think the Lord knew I needed the baptism of the Holy Spirit for when the children came, for sure. (laughs) Can I get a witness on that? (laughs) But it changed everything in my life. I went back through my teaching archives, which is always a painful thing for a pastor to do, and discovered that it's been really quite some time since I taught on the baptism with the Holy Spirit. When I uh, started preparing my heart for today's sermon, the Lord just really (laughs) ministered to me anew, poured out His Spirit, and filled me afresh and It was just really abundantly clear that today I was to speak on, from our text, the baptism with the Holy Spirit. Here's what I'm hoping and praying God will do in our time together today. I'm praying very specifically that any confusion on anyone's part will be cleared up. And here's why, and I hope you know my heart. As a pastor, I want the people that I'm privileged to serve to experience what I've experienced in my life. I mean, isn't it true that when there's something good in your life, you want to share it with others? When you've tasted of that cup and you've seen that the Lord is good, the Lord is good. You want other people to taste from that cup too, right? And that's my heart for you today. If you have never been baptized with the Holy Spirit, I pray that today you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now again, I understand that you know many of you in this church today, whether this is your church or you're just visiting the church, you come from a variety of different backgrounds theologically and doctrinally. And I would just ask that in the quietness of your heart right now, right here, that you would just allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you in and through the Word, the truth concerning the baptism with 
the Holy Spirit. Bear with me just a bit because I have to provide a backstory of sorts as it relates to this serious problem within the Galatian churches. The problem was that these legalists, who were known as the Judaizers, were worming their way into these churches undetected, and they were, as Paul notes prior, spying on their freedoms, their liberty in Jesus Christ, so as to bring them back under bondage to the law. That was their purpose. And what came packaged with that was this requirement under the law of Moses to be circumcised. And specific to our text, they were requiring the men to be circumcised even after coming to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. In other words, they were saying, oh, you're saved? You know, praise the Lord. But now you need to do this. Well, what do I need to do? Oh, if you're a Gentile, (laughs) you need to schedule surgery. I'm not kidding. I wish I was, actually, honestly. (laughs) But you need to schedule a surgery, and you need to be circumcised according to the law of Moses. Now, as you might imagine, (laughs) I do? Yeah. Wow. Bummer, man. I'll try not to be too graphic, but in order to better understand how circumcision under the law related to the Holy Spirit was, you know, connected, I do need to explain what they taught and what they thought. So stay with me. I'll just do this as quickly as I can. It was believed that As soon as the first cut was made, the Holy Spirit would be poured out upon them, and that's when they would receive the Holy Spirit, once that first cut was made. (laughs) Now, it's important to understand, before you call the doctor, (laughs) guys, that the circumcision was not only physical outwardly, but spiritual inwardly in this sense. It was the cutting away of the flesh. It was the removing of the flesh. Consider what the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Rome in chapter 2, verses 28 and 29. He said, A person is not a Jew who is one only outwardly, Nor, listen, is circumcision merely outward and physical. No. A person is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is circumcision of the heart by the Spirit, not by the written code. That's the law. Such a person's praise is not from other people, but from God. Okay. Now, I hope this explains at least in some way what they were doing and even why they were doing what they were doing, but they believed that in the physical removing of the flesh, 
by way of circumcision, you would receive the Holy Spirit at that time. However, in so doing, you would still receive the Holy Spirit in their way of thinking under the law of Moses. And that's the problem that Paul is confronting head on. He has to because of the seriousness of it. And this explains why it is that Paul says what he says. He pulls no punches, and rightfully so, because of the serious implications of what this meant. What are those serious implications? What did this mean? Oh, it meant that, God forbid, blasphemous to even say it, that Jesus died on the cross for nothing. That's what Paul said. If this is true, Galatians, that means that Jesus came down, fully God, fully man, went to the cross, despising the shame for what? Nothing. If this could be obtained in any other way according to the law, then what did Jesus come for? That's a pretty serious problem, isn't it? Wouldn't you agree? Okay, so what's Paul going to do? Well, I love this about Paul. I know you do too. As we've gotten to know him through Romans, and we got to know him in Acts when we went through Acts, and certainly through First and Second Corinthians. But isn't it interesting that he doesn't ask them if they had received the Holy Spirit? Notice he asks them, how did you receive the Holy Spirit? Well, now, why do I point that out? Because the presupposition is that they had received the Holy Spirit one way or another. That wasn't the question. The question was, how do you think you received the Holy Spirit? Oh, I received it by way of the law of Moses. Oh, you did? Yeah, when I was circumcised, that's when I received the Holy Spirit. Really? Okay. So what you're saying then is that you bought into the lie that the Holy Spirit comes by way of the law of Moses. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, that's what we're saying. <laughs> Oh, really? By the way, I bring it up again today because we're going to get later on in Galatians to the part where Paul says, you know, I wish that you guys wouldn't stop with just circumcision. You know what I wish you would do? I wish you would go all the way to castration. It's right here. You want to just, you, hey, by the way, uh, the week that we uh, go get to that, that passage in Galatians, because we go verse by verse. We can't skip. Believe me, I would love to skip a passage in God's Word where Paul says, I want you just to get castrated while you're at it. I, I would love to skip that. And I know that you would love to skip church on the day that we uh, do that. But you can't now because I just said something. So there you go. Why would Paul say something so unloving, so harsh and 
so unkind. I mean, where's the love? That's not very sensitive. (laughs) Why would he do that? Because he knows what's at stake here. What's at stake here? Their salvation. By grace, through faith, alone, in Jesus Christ, alone. That's what's at stake. This is why Paul says to them, you you foolish Galatians, you are fools. And when he says, who has bewitched you, it kind of carries with it the idea of what was known at the time as having an evil eye. They believed in that day that if someone had an evil eye and you looked them in the eye, they could cast a spell on you. And that's what Paul's saying. Who's cast this spell on you? You fools. You have been bewitched. <laughs> You've had a, a spell cast on you to believe such rubbish. And that's what it is. It's rubbish. In the original language, it's not clear in the English translation, but he's essentially saying this. What are you thinking? What are you thinking, you guys? Are are you kidding me? How could you be so foolish? How can you be so ignorant? How can you be so deceived? And isn't it interesting that such a deception... Such a bewitching, such a foolish thing with serious implications would have to do with the Holy Spirit. I mean, it shouldn't be surprising. When it comes to the Holy Spirit, Satan doesn't want a Christian filled with, baptized with the Holy Spirit. Because he knows. He knows that once a Christian is empowered by, filled with the Holy Spirit, that changes everything in their life. No longer does he have that hold over that Christian, that sinful habit that keeps rearing its ugly head. Heretofore, he's been able to just snap his fingers. And you've been just victimized mercilessly because you're so powerless. Why are you so powerless? Because you don't have the Holy Spirit. The only way for us to live a holy life is by the Holy Spirit. If I don't have the power of the Holy Spirit, what am I thinking? Am I trying to live the holy life, the Christian life, in the energy of my own strength, my own flesh? How's that working out for you? I already know how it's working out for you, because I've been there, done that, and I bought the t-shirt. I'll never wear it, but I have the (laughs) t-shirt. Okay, so... If that's not how the Holy Spirit comes upon us, then, and thankfully that's not how it comes upon us, then how does the Holy Spirit come upon the believer? And that's what I want to 
take and tackle today for the remainder of our time here in Galatians. I want to ask and answer four specific questions related to the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer. I'll try to move as quickly as I can. So let's take and tackle our first question. What is the baptism with or of the Holy Spirit? It's when the Holy Spirit is poured out upon, key word, and I want you to put that in your hip pocket for just a moment. We're going to come back to it. Upon you, chiefly to empower you. Acts 1.8, and we'll look at Acts 1.8 again, but turn there, actually. Acts 1.8, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. If you get to Romans, you're too far. It says, but you will receive power. Stop. That word power in the original language of the Greek New Testament is the Greek word dunamis. It's where we get our word dynamite. Dynamite. Explosive power. That power. You will receive that power when? Oh, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And, get this, it gets better. (laughs) You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You know what Jesus is saying? Here's what Jesus is saying. Please listen. He's saying, don't even think about going to Jerusalem or Judea or Samaria or anywhere on this whole planet, earth, until you receive this power. That's when you're to do that. Don't do it without it. Think about that. Okay. This is a question that I'm asked often. Is And it basically goes like this. I thought that when I got saved and was born again, that that's when I received the Holy Spirit. Isn't that when you receive the Holy Spirit? Answer? Yes and no, and let me explain. It is possible for someone to be baptized with the Holy Spirit when they're born again. That was not my experience. However, and this was my experience, in Scripture, what we find is that there's this subsequent work of, or baptism with, the Holy Spirit. Galatians opens our eyes to the potential and sadly the reality of false teachers. They're clever, there's no doubt about it. They can work their way into any area, saying just what needs to be said to get by, and then leaving their trail of deception for us to follow. How do we avoid these false teachers? By knowing God's Word and staying firmly rooted in the love and truth He teaches us. We're so glad you joined us today on In Spirit and Truth. We'd love to meet you in person. We have an open invitation to join us for our weekly services here at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe. We gather each Sunday and Thursday. You'll find more information at inspiritandtruthradio.com. Just click on Calvary Chapel Kaneohe at the bottom of the page. 
would you like to hear more teachings from Pastor J.D.? You can find them online at InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. But we also have more convenient ways to keep up to date with these messages. Did you know you can take In Spirit and Truth on the go by downloading our mobile app? In our fast-paced world, it's easy to let the time we'd spend in the Bible slip into the back of the line of things to get done in a day. When you download our mobile app, however, you'll have verse-by-verse studies in the Bible available right at your fingertips to listen to whenever and wherever you go. You'll find a link to the app at inspiritandtruthradio.com. That's all we have for today's message. Join us next time to keep searching the scriptures for God's goodness in Galatians, right here on In Spirit and Truth. Keeping me right with you, holding me true.